0: In this edition of Thinking Biblically, we're going to have some fun. We're going to go deep looking at a biblical perspective on AI. Welcome to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all of Scripture speaks to all of life. Before we get into our topic... I'd like to remind everyone, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe. Also, please share and review. Uh, Do all those good things. That really, really helps. Um, A couple weeks ago, I began a series uh, that I've called Undermining Forces based on a small booklet that I published some years ago and hope to get back to that. Uh, We're going to be looking at something different. Last week, we had a a guest, and in some weeks from now... uh, We're going to be inviting somebody back who we haven't seen in a while. Uh, In between, God willing, I'm going to be going away. I'm Alberta-bound. Alberta, if you don't know Canada, it's very far from here. It's almost on the west coast. It's uh, on the east side of the Rockies. And I'll be spending a couple of weeks there in the towns of Cochrane and Camrose. And uh, if you're near there or know anybody uh, in those vicinities please contact me and i'll let you know where i'm going to be i hope to be sending out some of that information in a newsletter soon Uh, if you don't subscribe to uh, my newsletter yet uh, feel free to do so just go to alangilman.ca and um, a subscription box should pop up and you can figure it out from there Uh, if you have any trouble with that please contact me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org okay uh, Something that's taken the world by storm uh, has been a particular um, expression, uh, application of artificial intelligence, AI, called ChatGPT, and I want to share some of my experiences with that. Uh, but first, why are we talking about it at all, and what does this have to do with with thinking biblically? Uh, artificial intelligence is going to affect everything. You probably don't already know how much you are interacting with artificial intelligence, uh, especially through your phones. Uh, so if, if you use something like Google Maps, uh, Google Maps uses AI to uh, figure out things like traffic and, and driving time and that sort of thing. Also, if you use Siri on your iPhone or what used to be called Google Now, it's the technology behind uh, that voice that you can interact with in in Google on your phones, on your Android phones. This is all using artificial intelligence. And uh, the difference between artificial intelligence. Um, before I get into that, um, I just want to talk about technology in, in general, uh, and and has to do with why am I talking about this at all. So please don't tune me out yet. Uh, you know, technology itself is is not only everywhere. It's been it's actually been around since the very beginning uh, personally i love technology i love gizmos and, and gadgets i might have gotten that from my father who was very interested in those things we had uh the one of the first phillips cassette recorders when, when they when they came out uh, i remember being at the bell telephone pavilion at expo 67 in montreal where i'm originally from and they had computerized tic-tac-toe it was just amazing and uh The the fact is, human invention has been an aspect of human experience from very, very early on. Uh, Some people might think that technology itself is a problem or the problem, uh, but actually it's not. Uh, very early in the in the book of Genesis, we see how uh, God both uses technology for His purposes, and then you might think He rejects it. Like if you look at the story of the Tower of Babel, where human ingenuity is being used against the will of God, and then God the way I talk about it, he throws a wrench (laughs) into their plans to build this tower, make a name for themselves, provide self-security, and that sort of thing. This was against the will of God. They were supposed to spread over the whole earth. The people didn't want to, and they thought this building project of this city and this tower would keep them all together and, and provide them with safety and security in and of themselves. It was their motive. It was their objective that was problematic And God saw fit to mess that up uh, through the confusing of the languages. But before the Tower of Babel, God commanded Noah to use technology to preserve God's own creation project and and preserve the human family and the air-breathing creatures. So even before the technology of Babel came the technology of the ark. And so the utilization of the materials of this world to... Uh, bring about God's will is all part of a biblical perspective of life that God has given to us. He's, he called human beings right from the beginning to steward the planet. As part of that is to bring control to the, to the creation uh, through farming and, and other means. And so the, the invention of tools and other technologies to accomplish God's will, that in and of itself is a good thing. But that doesn't mean that every invention we make necessarily is a good thing. And the, one of the interesting discussions that has to be part of this at some point is, um, are all inventions in and of themselves good? Now, some people would say that our technology, you know, the, the discipline of science, and then technology is a form of applied science, learning from analysis and other things, ways to do certain things and apply those things that we learn in life. Some would say that technology in and of itself is always amoral, meaning it's neither good nor bad. It's sort of this kind of neutral thing, and then it's only how we use things and what we use them for, and our motive behind these things, that that's where morality, good and bad, plays a part. I'm not, still not too sure if that's the case, because the world we live in is a moral world, We've been given the gift of ingenuity and imagination. And just because we can do something, should we do it? Let me know what you think. Write me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org or put your your comments in the comments section of either the audio or the or the YouTube version of this. And um, per, perhaps we can interact on this. I'm, I'm very interested in it. Uh, and so... One of the reasons for my wondering if there is more morality to what might call a bare-bones technology, you know, that that possibly the inventions themselves might have moral ramifications, because we live in the world that we live in. And uh, I don't know the full story of of Nobel and his invention. My understanding is he, invention, he invented dynamite and then seeing what it could do it negatively then he used his finances to create the nobel peace prize um as part of the pursuance of peace having seen the destructive nature of of what dynamite can do dynamite can help clear roads dynamite can hurt people uh kill them and so but is that just a, a good use and a bad use or are there things in the things that we invent that maybe we need to take seriously that perhaps by inventing certain things we we know we're going to end up doing more bad than good so what do we do about that but then what do you do with the fact that someone's probably going to invent the thing anyway anyway these are these are major questions and it should apply to AI as well artificial intelligence is here if if we ignore it, somebody else is going to further develop it and implement it. It's already being implemented. It already is in, in a sense everywhere, as I've already already mentioned. Uh, and uh, let me let me try to explain a little bit w- without being a full expert in these things. You can look it up, of course. Uh, you know what is the difference between AI with computing and other forms of computing that we've had pre-AI. And and those kinds of forms are still here today. We're going to be seeing AI implemented in some of the more traditional programming environments. Uh, Some of the programs that people have been using for decades now, spreadsheets, word processing, we're already seeing AI being introduced within those environments. And for us users, uh, a lot of these applications of AI are, are going to be what we could call transparent. They're already being used. Um, I can't say for sure, you know here's here's a case where AI is being used and not uh, not traditional programming. Uh, but the the difference is the traditional programming is is far more linear. It's much more do this then this will happen. And it's basically a set of instructions that seeks to cover, when a, a user does this, puts in this kind of input, then this is the kind of thing that will be outputted. You know, Press the letter A on your keyboard, and there's a process that happens whereby you can get the letter A on your screen. And then when you do print, it'll take what's on your screen and represent it on a piece of paper. Pretty straightforward. And Interaction with computers increased once we had the internet, there's more things that people were doing. Uh, but remember, you might remember, some of you might remember what early searches were like. You had to be sure that you used the right kind of terminology to get the right kind of responses for your search. Uh, it was similar to uh, map programs, the original map programs. Uh, what would come up on the screen was a form and you would plug in you know, the address number, the name of the street, in another box would go the city and then the state or the province and so on and then it would give you the map information both with search and with with map technology and i'm not too sure where the standard programming and where the artificial intelligence you know starts and begins ends and begins rather but eventually we were able to put in what's called natural language uh, they're called queries it's fancy word for questions so it Instead of boxes for the different parts of an address, we just put the address in or in a search. Instead of being very careful about the kind of terminology, we were able to ask more human type kinds of questions. And then the process would take over and it would know what words were necessary. It would begin to figure out the intention of the user based on the words. And all of a sudden the intelligence of the processor was becoming greater again, I'm not too sure where AI actually come comes in and and the standard and kind of leaves the standard programming behind. Uh, but once the processor is beginning to match the, what you're putting in with a large set of data, you might call it data. I've decided I like the word data better. I find it sharper. So, uh, in artificial intelligence it uses large stores of data to compare what you're putting in with with what it, its output is going to be and uh and so there's things like face matching uh, other pattern matching and so it begins to simulate intelligence it begins to figure out what the motive is behind the question to give you a better answer and so, there's far more uh, more processing that's going on, and a lot of it has to do with the information already stored by the computing system, and as I said, pattern matching and other kinds of of matching of information to provide the kind of answer that the the user uh, is wants wants to get out of it, and so. When you start to ask things about, you know, uh, distance of places, and then it calculates based on um, weather conditions and traffic conditions and all these other things. And you're seeing it, too. We've been seeing it for a long time with the way our computers and phones will give us ads. It over time, it gets to know our desires, needs, and wants, uh, and then begins to feed us information that it is guessing that, that we would want and what we would respond to. And so it's using a form of intelligence, artificial intelligence. Well, this has been worked on for, for a long time. And uh, one of the applications of artificial artificial intelligence that is basically taking the world by storm is this application called ChatGPT. I've often called it Chat it's GPT. According to Wikipedia, chat gpt stands for chat generative pre-trained transformer and it's a chat bot chat bot developed by a company called open ai and it was launched in november 2022 so not that long ago um, it's a chat bo- bot, bot um, which often looks like a chat box uh, you see them you see chat bots more and more on a somewhat regular basis you go to a company's website and at a box pops up, and it might say, I'm your virtual assistant, and you can ask it questions, and it will, by using artificial intelligence, try to provide you with the kind of questions like, how do I return my shoes? And it will, it'll either point you to things to read, and so on. And then when it isn't able to answer your questions, uh, then it'll often send you over to a human being. Um, or tell you you need to call this number or something like that. So these chatbots are are appearing more and more. And so ChatGPT is an AI chatbot that actually can interact with all sorts of things, and it isn't designed simply for a particular company to use. Just as a little more background, also according to Wikipedia, OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, is an artificial intelligence research laboratory founded in 2015 in San Francisco. This whole AI phenomenon feels like it just popped up yesterday. Um, it's been the research into these things has been going on for quite a while, and now some of its applications are beginning to uh, be in, in the public eye more and more, and it's it's caught a lot of people's attention, including mine. Let's see here. So. Yeah, so a little bit um, of my concern over this whole AI thing in general, which actually applies to a lot of the the technology that we've been dealing with for the past uh, while, a few decades. Uh, these things have been, I believe, both good and bad for the human experience. Uh, just generally speaking, we've seen what conveniences have done to us human beings, and it make, made us more sedentary. We, uh, Our bodies appear to be designed for hard physical work. It wasn't that long ago that almost everybody, just between having to walk, whether to get water, to, to clean clothes, to do the kinds of jobs that we did, we engaged the world around us in a more physical way. Now, more and more of us are sitting at desks, like I'm doing right now, And it's affecting our bodies badly, uh, the way we sit and the way we sit for so long. For example, a lot of you know all this already. And so we compensate by exercise programs and, and all that as we deal with our bodies haven't really adapted well to this sedentary life and is damaging us in certain ways. And so we compensate. More recently, we've been dealing with conveniences of the mind. Uh, my wife and I often talk about the, the, the calculator issue. Uh, we homeschooled our, our 10 children, and uh, it would only be in the later years that we would permit them to use calculators because we wanted them to learn how to use their minds to do especially all this more simple arithmetic, you know, memorize times tables. Now, somebody would say, why in the world would you need to do that? Because we have such... Easy, ready, help available, literally at our fingertips. And, and now, many of you may not even know this. You could ask your phone verbally to do a calculation. Um, I I was weighed at the doctor yesterday, and so instead of uh, and it was in kilograms. So instead of either doing it in my head, a kilogram is is uh, to, to get pounds you multiply it by two point two. I probably could do if I tried really hard. Uh, but I, I would normally go on my phone, which has a calculator, and and, and do the, the calculation there. But why do all that difficult typing with my fingers or thumbs when I just say to my phone, I'm not going to do it because it's going to start responding, and ask it to do that calculation and then it will give it to me. It's very difficult to not allow the technology to take over when it is providing us with such easy conveniences. I'm finding myself more and more uh, sending messages using my voice. Uh, and and I'm not talking about recording my voice, but allowing it to convert my my voice to text. And I've been noticing over the past little while it's been getting way better and as far as we do it's going to get even more better it's going to be getting better with punctuation and capitalization and knowing what i want to say uh it's at one time you had to train these systems to recognize your voice don't need to do that anymore Uh, microsoft word its dictation that i use on my laptop um is remarkably good um and even when you watch it, it's, it does all this self-correction, all this sort of thing. And and I find it a little cumbersome to do dictation, but the more I get used to it, I realize how much quicker it could be than me than me typing. I use a combination. I'm still doing more typing than 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 speaking. But let, let's move on. How is this affecting us? Does it really make a difference if 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 using voice? to control computers is much more effective than than typing and, and tapping and clicking. Why would we not use that? I was wondering the other day, I was talking about the whole calculator thing, and I do wonder, what have we lost in terms of brain development, mind development, by not using, by not teaching our children to work out arithmetic in their heads? I was thinking of another one that sounds so trivial, But it wasn't that long ago where we, almost all of us, had all these phone numbers memorized. This has nothing to do with arithmetic or math, it's just list of numbers associating names in our minds with strings of numbers. And many of us had who knows how many phone numbers in our heads. Now some people don't even know their own phone number. You go to ask them, they start to stumble. Uh, because of the way we communicate our phone numbers now. I'm just wondering, and maybe somebody out there has an answer. What have we lost something? Just like we're sedentary physically. I wonder if we become sedentary, may not be the right term about our with our minds, by not even memorizing phone numbers. What have we lost? Now somebody say, well, we're losing something we don't, we don't really need. And maybe we could we could probably, if ever the power grid completely goes down and we need to use these, use our minds and our bodies in ways that we have in a long time, it's likely we can get that stuff back. I don't really know, but it might be affecting other things. I don't know. I really don't know. This is the situation that we're in. And right now we're dealing with a, a, a new, to say onslaught automatically sounds negative, but we're being faced with this, what I think is an amazing convenience through this way of interacting with uh, artificial intelligence and so I've been playing over the past few weeks I've been playing somewhat with chat GPT why have I been playing with it as I mentioned I love technology I'm very interested I'm interested in how something like this is going to affect the human family in in general how's it going to affect me and my and the people close to me specifically uh, is it good is it bad? Uh, does it really work? Um, frankly, I find it somewhat entertaining. That's a bit of a problem because it has uh, an allure to it, and especially because I like technology. Um, this is one of the reasons why I have stayed away from video games. This this might be a little bit of a tangent. We've been very careful about video games in, in the raising of our kids. Um, and part of it is my own story, going back to before com- computer games, just arcade-type games, how... I can get drawn into those and become, basically become addicted. And then I had an early experience with a game called King's Quest on a, on a very plain, non-graphic-looking computer where you would type in questions and the computer would give you these answers. I guess this is a lot about chat GPT, as you'll see in a moment. Uh, and the fact that it could interact with me, I found that so... I'm just realizing this now. This might be more dangerous than I thought it was, especially for me, because it captivates me. I remember going to bed and starting to, it was capturing my my imagination and my mind. And I thought, I, I can't play this game. This is too much. And so then later on, uh, playing with other kinds of virtual type games, a hockey game and this sort of thing, I've always had to be very careful not to get too uh, drawn in by it because it would just completely take me over. And so I hope that's not happening with ChatGPT. And as you'll see with my experience that I'm going to share with you, there's a good chance it won't that uh i maybe i'll understand it for what it is but not for what it isn't and we'll see as we go along i i, I think you're gonna find this quite entertaining as we get more into it uh that is if you're still with me on on this so it let, let's continue here and so i've i've been playing the chat gpt i've tried a few things uh i've tried doing um I've had it do a worship song in the style of Dr. Seuss. I'm not going to read that to you. Um, I've asked it other theological questions when I asked you to type in. Uh, and also I've used some voice to text. So it actually feels like I'm talking to it when I do that. and And as we go along, this all is going to be way more easier, probably voice to voice, maybe um, voice, and then uh, an animated or video style artificial person will interact with me. I'm sure we're going to see this in places like shopping malls, where you're going to be asking for information. Someone that looks like a human is going to answer. They're going to sound completely human. They might even laugh at your jokes, this sort of thing. Uh, And this is one of the reasons why we need to be dealing with this subject. But anyway, so I've tried a, a, a bunch of different things. One of the things I tried is as a Montrealer and as a person who loves baseball, you might see some of the baseball books behind me, and uh, I'm going to be maybe sharing eventually uh, some of my interaction with baseball. I've got to be careful of my tangents. I, I do suffer from tangentitis, so let's, let's get back to this. So as a Montrealer who loves baseball, one of my concerns is will Major League Baseball ever return to Montreal after the Montreal Expos left many years ago? There's been a lot of interest in this since that time. And, um, and so I just came up with this idea, because I wanted to see what chat GPT would do. And maybe you'd like to see some of this. In fact, it didn't save uh, this it when you enter a, a news, a new question, or a new statement, it will actually create a subject, and save it. Uh, this is for free users, it'll, it'll save it as it, its own little, you know, package of that particular issue. So but for some reason didn't save this. So I asked it to create a speech um to in favor of the return of Major League Baseball to Montreal in the voice of our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and it basically did it. And then I asked it to do the same thing but in the voice of Winston Churchill. That was really good. That was very compelling and I don't I don't know Churchill but you know we're going to we're gonna we're gonna challenge this and we're gonna win sort of thing, and then I tried Martin Luther King Jr. and it 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 had its sort of voice. Was it perfect all the way through? You know, you'd have to judge. You could try it yourself, but it does that sort of thing. And um, I've I've asked it for a specialized recipe. Um, I've been dealing with a kind of a specialized sort of diet lately, so I I'll, I'll tell you I actually asked it for a gluten free low glycemic chocolate chip cookie recipe just to see what it would do. Now you're gonna probably ask me for that recipe. I could probably send it to you. I don't have the wherewithal to know if it gave me a good recipe or not. and I didn't ask my wife to make it and I don't make I don't make the cookies around here. I do other things but uh, so uh, it gave it to me and it's it's given me all sorts of, of things that I've asked for I mentioned I'm going to be going to Alberta this, this gets really serious and I'm going to be talking to, to, to somebody about this uh, hopefully today uh, and there's been all this concern about the fact that GPT can write essays and what does that mean uh, for students in school and journalists and so on anybody who needs an essay type set of writing so I'm in a couple of weeks, God willing, I'm going to be in Camrose about an hour outside of Edmonton in Alberta, and I'm teaching a five-day course on the minor profits. And uh, I've, I've taken an existing course, and I've I've made some changes to it. And so what I did was I took the, the short essay requirement that's part of the week-long course, and I threw it into—that's a metaphor— and I entered it into ChatGPT. I made a couple of changes because I thought it might be a little better for it to quote unquote understand. And basically it did it. It did the assignment. Did it do a great job? It didn't give me as many words as um, I uh, I needed. I'd, one thing I was kind of slow to understand with ChatGPT is that it is a chat bot. So when you ask an initial question or make a particular request and it provides some sort of response, then you could respond to the response. And you're going to see an example of that in in a moment. Um, And so you can chat back and forth. And so I realized after I I could have simply said, give me more words, provide more information. Um, I actually asked it for scripture references, particular scripture references, some quotes from some Writers, and it did all that. Again, was it? Did it give it to me in a um, in a style, in a completeness that one could hand in? Maybe eventually, with enough interaction, it could be good enough. But interacting with what it provides, it would save a ton of work. Um, I'm preparing a an Excel training course. Uh, Here in Ottawa, I don't know if I'll end up get to do it, but I used to be a a computer trainer. I've taught people Excel. It's one of those things that almost everybody uses, but very few people understand even some of the most basic things that it can do. So I'd love to share that with people. And if you're in Ottawa, you're interested, let me know. But um, I needed some sample. I need a sample spreadsheet. I could write it myself, but I'm also interested in in checking out ChatGPT. So. Um, I, I asked it for, give give me a list of people, phone numbers, departments, that sort of thing. And it did it. And then I realized, oh, I could, it could be for, you know, a a religious organization. So I asked that. And then it changed the, the departments instead of business oriented ones. It gave me things that would be more, the things you would find in a religious organization. It, it did all that. And I, I, I even, I noticed hey chat when i simply asked for it the names were basically you know european based caucasian oriented names so then i said could you give me multi-ethnic ones and it did and so and this is just the beginning this is just the beginning of what's what's coming now the question is if it could provide me with a sample spreadsheet that i need to teach my course why would i write it from scratch it does Let's say you need to do a talk about something. I try I try this sort of thing as well. Give me an outline for a talk on a particular topic. Now, you might say it's much better if it came from me, but I might go do some research for the best kind of outline before I work on, on the details that come from that outline. Should, well, if ChatGBT, just hit my microphone. If ChatGBT does this for me, why wouldn't I use it? Let me know what you think. All right. So this is, this. I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to bring up this example that I hope I can control myself while I share it with you. Uh, so just a few, couple of days ago, I, the more I realized that Chat Cheap ET could be a discussion partner because there's a chat element to it, I wanted to try that out. And I'm not going to share this with you, I'm going to share something else, but I, be, I began to sort of take it on with regard to the issue of gender expression. And um, so I asked it some questions, it gave me some answers. And as we went through it, one of the things I was noticing that I found a bias in the perspective it was giving me, that it was, my opinion, overly positive on the benefits of gender exploration and, and what to do about gender confusion and so on. We could talk about that and those details another time. We're here talking about ChatGPT. What What happened was, uh, I I'm part of a discussion group, uh, you know, a, a messaging group, and um, and somebody made a comment about ChatGPT that it seemed to be biased along a particular way, and more towards what people call the left, or it seems to be woke. They were saying so. I wanted to I wanted to check it out, and so. I'm going through this. And while it tried to give an impression of being unbiased, it was it was certainly leaning in a particular way. Um, I even asked it about the place of communities, particularly religious communities, parents, their concern for their children. And it, while it was saying that, yes, it's important to listen to different voices, this sort of thing, it was encouraging parents and so on to be open to basically people's feelings. And then I challenged the issue, is feelings that which should be determining what we do with our lives, with our bodies, and it was leaning in that particular direction. So I was was basically agreeing with the people that were saying that it seems to be designed along a particular way, but we're not done, we're not done. So after I, I did that for a while, I thought of something else. I love complex riddles. And ever since I've been a teenager, when I, I think I've heard one of my first ones, my first one, um, I've loved to share them with people. And, and these are like situations. I didn't even call them riddles originally. I don't even know if there are technically riddles. But they're situations that you describe. And they're fun with a group of people, get everybody to play sort of thing. And you set up the situation and it kind of ends with, Why, why was it like this? Why did this happen? Why did the person do this and so on? And then other people could be an individual or people in a group could be asking yes or no questions. Uh, Was it a a real situation or was it a dream? But you wouldn't say it like that. Was it a dream? They would ask yes or no. And then they would eventually, hopefully deduce the situation. My favorite one, and I'm not gonna give you the answer. um, uh, and Don't you dare put the answer in the comments he write me at comments at r o r g and maybe if I have time, we'll interact on it. But please don't put it in the comments. My favorite one goes like this. A man walks into a restaurant. He asks the waiter for a glass of water. The waiter goes into the kitchen, comes back with a gun, points the gun at the man. The man smiles, turns around, and leaves. The question is, why was the man pleased? Still my favorite of all time. I did not ask this to chat GPT, but I got the idea that because it's an interactive system, it's a game that I perhaps could play with the bot. Now, there are ramifications for this. People are already lonely. And if this this system can... uh, provide like a virtual companionship virtual uh, interactions that may not be a good thing and that's similar to a lot of complex video games that actually do this sort of thing but now you could actually make up your own game uh, as opposed to finding a game that does such and such and again because it's interactive it's possible it could be really good at this so what i'd like to do is i'm going i'm already almost starting to lose it here i'm going to share with you my initial interaction with chat gpt on this inter this interactive riddle thing um i'm going to share this with you then i gave it some thought and then i did another one and then it gets profound so it, i think it gets pretty funny i'm share this with my f- family after doing it i almost completely lost it i don't know how it's going to go in a recording like this but here we go so let me i'm going to bring this up here we go and so you're going to see here, uh, I'll try to, especially people who are, are listening on audio, uh, I'm going to try to present this as best I can so you'll know when it's me asking the questions and when it's ChatGBT responding. So here's my initial question that I asked. Could you provide me with an intelligent and complex riddle for someone at graduate level? Now, I, want, I said graduate level because I wanted to make sure that we weren't simply going to get, you know, in this case... A riddle for kids. So here we go. ChatGPT response: Sure. Here's a riddle that should challenge someone at the graduate level. I am always hungry. I must always be fed. The finger I touch will soon turn red. What am I? Now, if you want to play, you could pause the video, and when you're ready to answer the question, then you can uh, restart it. So, what am I? I thought for a moment, and I. Oh, so it goes on. Think think you have the answer? Let me know. So I say, fire. It responds with, that's correct. Well done. And then I say, may or ask, may I have something more challenging along the lines of a complex story problem? Because I found that pretty simple, obviously. Chat Sure. Here's a story problem that's a bit more complex. A farmer has 17 sheep and all but nine die. How many sheep are left? It might sound like a simple math problem, but the trick is to focus on the phrase all but nine. This means that the farmer has nine sheep left after the others have died, so the answer is nine sheep. I respond, why did you give me the answer? ChatGPT, my apologies for that. I understand that you wanted a challenge, and it's more rewarding to figure out the answer on your own. Let me know if you'd like to try solving it on your own, or if you need further clarification on the problem. I respond, Give me something of similar complexity, but don't give me the answer this time. Chat GPT. Sure. Here's a similar story problem without the answer. A man has six cats. Each cat caught six mice. How many mice have the cats caught in total? Think you have the answer? Show your work in reasoning, and I'd be happy to verify it for you. So I'm looking at this, and it looks like it's really straightforward, but I asked for a complex problem, so maybe there's a trick. And the more I looked at it, the more I thought, no, I don't think there's a trick. So I gave the answer, 36. It replied, that's correct, well done. Each of the six cats got six mice. So six times six equals 36 mice in total. Great job, With an exclamation mark. I'm thinking, why is it so exciting? This is so straightforward. I respond, you call this a grad level problem? Chat GPT. My apologies. That was a mistake on my part. The problem I provided was relatively simple and more appropriate for a level. level. No duh, I'm thinking. Let me provide you with a more challenging problem that would be more appropriate for a graduate level audience. Yeah, thank you. That's what I asked for. It goes on. A man has four ropes of equal length each of which takes exactly one hour to burn completely. The man wants to measure exactly 45 minutes, but he has only these ropes and a lighter. How does he measure 45 minutes using only these ropes? And I'm thinking, oh, okay, this does sound more complicated, ropes and burning ropes. And I think, wait a second. So it, it elaborates, this problem requires a bit of creative thinking and problem-solving skills, so I hope it provides you provides a challenge you were looking for. Good luck. So this, you know, it's more challenging. So then I say... Light only one rope for three quarters of its length? I'm thinking it can't be that simple. That's correct, Chat, P- Chat GPT says. Well done. By lighting only one rope for three quarters of its length, it will take exactly 45 minutes to burn completely. This is because three quarters of an hour is 45 minutes. Great job. Like, oh, really? So I go, that is not a complex riddle. That was simple arithmetic. Do you know any actual riddles along the lines of? And I provide... One of my favorite situation problems, riddles, that goes like this. A man each day would go to work. He lived in an apartment building. In the morning, he would go into the elevator and press ground floor. In the evening, he would come back, take the elevator again, press the third floor, get out of the elevator, and then walk up the stairs, walk up two more flights of stairs. Why did he do that? So I'm not going to tell you the answer. You can email me if you think you know. ChatGPT. Yes, I'm sorry for not providing a more complex riddle earlier. Here is a classic riddle that requires a bit more creative thinking and reasoning. Finally, I think, what's it going to offer me? A man each day would go to work. He lived in an apartment building in the morning. This is my riddle. He's giving back to me. It is giving back to me. In the morning, he would go into the elevator and press the ground floor. Uh, Sorry, I guess I repeated this. Why did he do that? Think you have the answer? Let me know. I reply, of course I know the answer to that riddle. I provided it to you. I don't know if it's noting my, my tone. I am, providing, I, ask, I am asking you to provide me with a riddle that's similar to complexity. Can you do that? If so, provide the riddle, but don't give me the answer. ChatGPT, certainly. Here's a similar complex riddle for you. ChatGPT is patient if it's not anything else. ChatGPT A man is pushing his car along a road when he comes to a hotel. He shouts, "I'm bankrupt!" and throws the keys to his car to the hotel owner. "Why did he do this?" I thought, "Oh, this this is maybe we're finally there. This sounds like something I would appreciate." The riddle requires it says a bit of creative thinking and outside the box reasoning, so I hope it provides the challenge you're looking for. Good luck. So I write, "The hotel owner was his wife." In response, "That's correct." Well done. The man was playing a game of Monopoly, and because he landed on a property that he couldn't afford, he declared himself bankrupt and had to turn over all his assets, including his car to the hotel owner, who, in this case, was his wife. And I'm thinking, it's giving me all the information that I'm supposed to provide... It says, great job to me. I write, that riddle was better, but I would have expected you to insist that I had to identify that the man was playing a game of Monopoly rather than simply accepting my answer and giving me the rest of the information. It responds, you're absolutely right. I apologize for not providing enough guidance. In order to make it a more challenging riddle, it's important to specify the context of the situation what the man is actually doing. Here's a revised version of the riddle. It goes on. A man is playing a game Monopoly and lands on a property he can't afford. He declares himself bankrupt and throws the keys to his car to the hotel owner. Who is the hotel owner in this scenario? It says the revised version provides more context and should make for a more challenging riddle. I hope this is more to your liking. I'm thinking, oh, you're so proud of yourself and i write no it doesn't i'm looking for a challenging riddle that insists i provide a full answer i like the monopoly riddle can you give me one like it and insist that i provide the answer and the surrounding context chat gbt of course here's a similar complex riddle with more specific requirements for the answer a man is playing a game of chess and he makes a move he then says i'm king what just happened in the game for the full answer, please specify the move the man made and why it prompted him to declare, I'm king. Good luck. Again, I'm thinking, well, this is better. Okay, let's see what happens. So I first I go, may I ask you yes and no questions to help me determine the answer without giving it away? It responds, yes, you may certainly ask me yes or no questions to help you determine the answer. I'll do my best to assist you without giving the solution away. Oh, this is getting so much better, I think. I ask, was the man playing an actual normal game of chess? It responds, yes, the man was playing a normal game of chess. Oh, this is exactly the sort of thing I expected. Then I ask, did the man have a mental disorder? ChatGPT GPT responds, no, the man did not have a mental disorder. Did the man win the game, I ask? It says, yes, the man won the game. I'm starting to get a little suspicious now. Chat, I say, did he say I am king? because he won the game? Yes, ChatGPT answers. The man dis- declared, "I'm king because he won the game." I asked, "Is that the answer to the riddle then?" ChatGPT, "Yes, that is the answer to the riddle. The man made the move of putting his opponent's king in checkmate, and as a result, he won the game, prompting him to declare, "I'm king." And this is where I stopped. Nobody does that, you know, with a game of chess and say, I'm king, but ChatGPT seems to think so. Anyway, I was able to hold it together. I don't know if you found this humorous. I certainly did. And so I thought, what in the world is going on with this thing? I'm actually, I was somewhat impressed by my other experiences. This was entertaining, but I was not asking ChatGPT to provide me with an entertaining experience. Let's have some, let's see if ChatGPT can make Alan laugh. No, I really wanted to see if it was able to do this. The strange part was it was, but it wasn't. And that's the thing that really concerned me, because if it was able to do a semblance of what I was asking, which was pretty complex, but not really able to deliver, then what does this mean for everything else that it does? Is this simply work in progress? I asked it recently, I did mention this earlier, for a bit of code to help me with a web page, a thing that I was doing, and it provided it, I think, no problem. (laughs) No problem. Hopefully, it's not smoldering somewhere. It seemed it gave me what I wanted, and I've heard stories of of more complex software that it's able to create. It seems to be one of the things that was created for. Um, but it's doing all these other things, uh, writing essays. And what does this really mean, anyway? So I, I left it for a little while, and for some reason, I thought of returning to this. I had some ideas, and I thought I would give it one more shot. So let's. Let's go back and, and see if the way I'm asking to provide with different things. And I ended up with a surprise that I didn't expect. So here we go. I ask again, could you provide me with a complex riddle at the level of postgraduate studies? ChatGPT, certainly. Here's a complex riddle for postgraduate students. I am not alive, but I grow. I don't have lungs, but I need air. I don't have a mouth, but I need water to live. I don't have a brain, but I need a hard head to survive. What am I? I thought for a moment... Sorry, it says more. This riddle tests your ability to think abstractly and laterally and also draws on your knowledge of science and nature. First, it shouldn't have given me this for it to be a good riddle, but it's a, it's a tech thing, and it's explaining, give me this explanation. But also, it sets me up that it knows what it's doing, or thinks it does anyway. So I... Respond with this. The planet Earth, I ask. And it says, Yes, you're correct. The answer to the riddle is indeed the planet Earth. The statement, I am not alive, but I grow, refers to the fact that the Earth is constantly changing and evolving over time. It goes on, I don't need lungs, but I need air, refers to the fact that the Earth needs the atmosphere to protect and provide it with air. I don't need a mouth, but I need water to live, refers to the importance of water for all forms of life on earth, and the need for it to be present in the right quantities and in the right places. I don't need, I don't have a brain, but I need a hard head to survive, refers to the earth's protective crust and mantle, which helps it to survive various impacts and natural disasters. Then me, then I go on. So I'm, somewhat impressed. This is a little better from a couple days prior, the one that I shared with you before. So I asked, could you provide another riddle of similar complexity? Certainly. Here's another complex riddle for postgraduate students. I'm always hungry. I must always be fed. The finger I touch will soon turn red. When am I? This riddle requires a, a good understanding of cause and effect relationships as well as the ability to think creatively and see beyond the obvious. I'm thinking, oh, no. The answer to this riddle is fire well, Oh wait a second now it gives me the answer this is it this is what it asked me in the last one and I, so i knew the answer and it, but it gives it to me anyway fire is always hungry it needs to be fed with fuel in order to continue burning and the finger touched by fire will soon turn red due to being burned and i said why did you provide the answer instead of waiting me wait, instead of waiting me to offer one a bit of a typo there chat gpt It isn't put off by my bad grammar. I apologize for that mistake. As an AI language model, I sometimes provide answers too quickly without fully considering the context of the user's intent, which I think it should have known. But let's go on. It says, in the future, I will make a better effort to withhold answers and allow the users to make their own guess or ask for clarification if needed. Oh, again, it's patience. It's so wonderful. So I ask, may I now have another similar in complexity, riddle, but without providing the answer this time. It says, of course. Here's another complex riddle without the answer. I am light as a feather. It's going to get good. Don't go away. I'm a light as a feather, but even the strongest man cannot hold me for much longer than a minute. What am I? This riddle requires a good understanding of physical properties as well as the ability to think creatively and see beyond the obvious. Good luck. I say, is the answer wood? And I say, answer yes or no. I believe I did this on purpose to see what it would say. Chat GPT. No, the answer is not would. Oh, good. It's playing the game properly. So I answer, is the answer nothing? It responds, yes. The answer to the riddle is nothing. The statement, I'm light as a feather, suggests that the object in question is very light, while even the strongest man cannot hold me for much longer than a minute suggests that it is difficult to hold on to, even for a strong person. The only thing that fits these criteria is nothing, which has no physical weight and is impossible to hold for a significant amount of time. Now, I'm starting to think, I don't know if this is right. Something's fishy here. And I say, I write, I beg to differ. I don't think the answer to this riddle is nothing, but rather air. Am I right? normally you wouldn't do this with a human being. Is this the answer? Yes, that's the answer. No, I think you're giving me the wrong answer. I think this is the answer, but that's what I do. So I don't think the answer to this riddle is nothing, but rather air. Am I right? Chat GPT. Yes, you're correct. The answer to the riddle is indeed air. I apologize for any confusion caused by my previous answer. Air fits the description given in the riddle much better than nothing. Air is indeed light and can be difficult to hold for even a strong person, especially if they try to hold their breath. Thank you for pointing that out. So I say, are you able to tell me why you provided an answer with a full explanation when the answer was actually incorrect? ChatGBT response. As an AI language model, I am trained on a large data set of text, and sometimes my responses may not be entirely accurate or relevant. In this case, I misunderstood the nature of the riddle and provided an incorrect answer. I apologize for any confusion or misunderstandings that may have resulted from a mistake. It's important always to verify the accuracy of the information provided by AI systems and to consider multiple sources whenever possible. Now, I'm thinking this is a very reasonable, humble response, but not what we would expect from a so called intelligent machine. Anyway, so it says, Thank you for bringing this to my attention. I respond, Are you aware of how much confidence people are putting in your AI language model at this time? People are writing essays, creating software code, using recipes, and so on. You've demonstrated with these riddles, another typo, riddles, examples that you can be completely incorrect, but be so confident in your answer. Chat GPT, yes. Yes. I am aware that many people rely on AI language models like me to provide them with information and insights. That's why it's always a good idea to double-check the information provided by AI models and consider multiple sources whenever possible. Additionally, it's important to understand the limitations and biases that may be present in the training data and to use AI models responsibly and ethically yes i'm thinking somebody in this world is actually talking sense i ask does this mean you can be completely incorrect with regard to your analysis of the issue of gender expression going back to my original interaction with ChatGPT prior to doing the original riddle experiment so does that mean all the stuff that you were saying about gender expression could be wrong chat GBT responds yes it is possible for ai language models like me to provide incorrect or biased information when it comes to issues of gender expression or any other topic for that matter i'm thinking why didn't you tell me that before it's important it says to be critical of the information provided by ai models and to seek out multiple perspectives and sources of information especially when it comes to sensitive or complex topics like gender expression yes why doesn't every professor every 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 writer talk like this, I'm thinking. Additionally, it says, it's important to continually monitor and improve the training data and algorithms used by AI models to reduce the likelihood of inaccuracies and biases. We all should have this level of humility. So I say, as if I'm interacting with a human being, thank you for this. I only wish that human beings could be as humble as you are when it comes to acknowledging the likelihood of inaccuracies and biases. ChatGPT, similar to its recent response but it adds something here as an ai language model i am programmed to be neutral impartial and provide the most accurate information possible based on the data i've been trained on however it's important for everyone including humans to be mindful of the limitations and biases that can exist in the information and perspectives they encounter and to make a conscious effort to seek out multiple perspectives and sources of information This helps to reduce the likelihood of inaccuracies and biases and leads to a more well-rounded and nuanced understanding of the world. Yes, yes, this helps to reduce the likelihood of inaccuracies and biases and leads to a more well-rounded and nuanced understanding of the world. Do you hear that, everyone? I didn't set out to learn this lesson from ChatGPT, I always have told Chat ChatGPT, it didn't express this when I had the gender expression conversation. And I doubt that anyone would say this sort of thing when discussing such an issue or COVID or vaccines or evolution or atheism, theism. It can go on and on and on. I did not expect the chat GPT would remind me what I already believe, that we need to be careful. You know, what's happening now is when people don't express the type of bias that their company insists that they have, they charge them with bias, then give them anti-bias training to give them a new bias and, and deny that it's a bias. This state, these statements from ChatGPT are better. Now, this is not me touting how wonderful ChatGPT is because Chat, ChatGPT doesn't even believe what it says. It can't believe anything anyway. It's not conscious. It doesn't really provide information the way it's claiming it should, but I caught it. I caught it with something very, very objective. And so how do we know when it provides other supposedly objective unbiased information simply based on the data that's been given that it is unbiased and so on? And how do we know that when we provide information that we're not being unbiased? That's why we need to be careful. That's why we need things like humility, something that a bot could never really have. It was feigning. It was faking humility every time it was going, I apologize. I'm so sorry I gave you the wrong information. Let me let me do better. Let me try again. No, you blew it again, chat GBT. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. It'd be wonderful if humans would do that with each other, if it was sincere. But with the computer, it's all fake. I caught it red-handed. If I, if I you know, the thing with the air and nothing and all the rest, if I simply accepted its its answer because I viewed it as the expert, which is what we do with these things. And often we don't even realize. I was having a conversation with somebody in a store yesterday, and I don't know if it's because I've been, I haven't been spending that much time with ChatGPT, okay? I haven't. But they were having this kind of technical glitch in this store, and I was interacting to this person about it, and I was asking a couple of questions about a couple of different things, and I thought I was talking to a robot the way it kept answering the question. So obviously it, the person, had been told what to say, And would simply repeat it. This is what happens with politicians. They have talking points. They're fed what to do by so-called experts. And then they interact with the outside world, not like a human being, but like a machine. And I wonder, because a lot of the analysis that the experts are now feeding the spokespeople, where is that coming from? It's coming from machines. It's coming from computer analysis of things. So I wonder if the more we interact with machines, we're becoming like machines. And this is where we need to have an intervention. This is where we need to stop and see how the how the emerging technological world is affecting us and that we're becoming like the very things that we're utilizing. Let's remember that machines can never have compassion never mind emotion it could fake emotion emotion is highly reactive and a lot of our emotions our feelings are pretty messed up folks and we need to reckon with that the the ai bot can memorize the bible it could then memorize theological books and it could out theologize a lot of professors, but it cannot have sensitivity to God's Ruach HaKodesh, His Holy Spirit. It cannot pray. It cannot be in communion with the living God like we can. It cannot experience the, the, the being given a heart of compassion for people so that we know how to deal with this situation different from that situation because that person is not the same person as the other person while the bible provides us with universal principles how to apply them in particular situations requires great wisdom and as these as artificial intelligence is able to take in more information it could provide fake wisdom and provide specialized uh answers for very complex questions. AI is doing all sorts of medical diagnoses for particular kinds of people and different kinds of situations and could look really, really smart, even wise. But it's not and it won't be. And if it's getting better than human beings at dealing with real serious people problems, if it's getting better than people in understanding things like Bible and theology, then we have our work cut out for us because the computer is nothing compared to what a human being can process with regard to truly knowing God and truly loving people. We need to remember that a computer is just a tool and it's up to us to not let the tool become our master so that we become its tool there's no reason for that to happen if we properly first engage god the way we should yes so the the there's software uh, and and go online and you could do very complex searches to find bible verses that you need in a way that the old uh, written concordance couldn't do. And I think that's wonderful. And there's comparisons and contrasts that you can use all these tools to do. You could, you could delve into the original languages in ways that we couldn't easily do before. And I don't have an issue with using those tools. But if we are not going to be Spirit-inspired, holy people, sensitive to the Lord, interacting with these tools... They they will, they will take us over. I've gone on long enough and I probably should just stop there. So the challenge is on. How are we going to interact with these things? Some of us might think, I think I'm going to go on a little bit longer. Some of us think, uh, well, we'll just not interact with them at all. That's going to be difficult. What do we do with other people that we know that are? Um, it's just, it's difficult. Maybe we will talk about, about that more another time. Yes, it's an option to try to pull away from this world that we're in. I question if that's the wisest thing. Let's seek God. Let's see what he wants us to do. Let's remember our dependency needs to be primarily on the Lord. Let's remember. This this applied maybe to some other things, but I believe it applies here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, says our Messiah in Matthew chapter 6. If we rely on him, he will guide us. But I think we have to do a much better job in doing that. So what do you think? What do you think about AI? What do you think about the believer's relationship to it? Do you have any insights that you'd like to share? If appropriate, put them in the comments. If you'd rather, contact me directly at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, share, review, and all the rest of it. So until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically.